Scripture this morning is from the Old Testament, and I'm going to share with you a few things that we began last week. But we'll do a review, a very brief review of last week, and we'll keep on going. As you know, I am a teacher, uh, so I like to review what we did in last week's class. And again, I like to then link last week's class with today and leave an open ending because next week we're going to connect again with this week and last week. That's called a teaching series. And what we're talking about this teaching series is a place to call home. How many of you love home? How many of you home is here, this area? How many of you real, real, real deep, deep home is not this area? Let me see the hands. Okay. So some of us whose home is not this area, uh, we may have a sense of homesickness. We always think that our home is better than here, right? It's only me? No, it's not only me. <laughs> only a weird one. No, I've settled down. I've settled down. And I'm happy to be in Georgia, by the way. I'm really enjoying the seasons. I realize that springs are very short. Is that me or is that a generality? Yes, springs are very short and winters and, and falls are longer. And that's okay with me. But we're, we're talking about a series of a place to call home. And let us look at the word of God in Joshua. Joshua is the, which of the books? It, what number is it? In the Old Testament, it is number? Six. <laughs> you were close. You were close. At least he's, he's brave. He threw a number. You see, when I was in college, I would throw a number. I didn't care. The thing was that the class moved along. <laughs> and then somebody came with the right number, right? Okay, so Joshua chapter 24. This is towards the end of the book. Joshua have, you know, have already crossed the Jordan with, with the people of Israel. They have begun to settle. Jericho is history. They have slashed a few kingdoms. They're putting together their society, their, their kingdom. And, and the people of God, we tend to do that. We tend to settle down and get comfortable and do nothing except for ourselves. Uh, is that true or did I just make that up? That, that happens. And, and, and here it happened again. So uh, they begin to look at other gods, at other things that would distract them, other things that would call their attention, other bling that will call their attention, other glitz that will call their attention because God was already old and passé. But Joshua has the following conversation with the people of God, and he says, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River in, and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. Uh, can I say that again? Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord then choose to them whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the past? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites, the present-day gods in whose land you live now? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. The people replied, uh, we, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods, for the Lord our God is the one who rescued us from our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. As we travel through the wilderness among our enemies, he, preser he, he preserved us. 
It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord, for he alone is our God. People, Joshua didn't believe this line. Joshua knew better. Even though the people said that, Joshua knew better. And look what Joshua says. Then Joshua uh, warned the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is holy and jealous, God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you, even though he has been so good to you. But the people answered Joshua, No, 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 we will serve the Lord. And Joshua then turned to the people and said, Yes? All right then, Joshua said. Destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Then the people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God. We will obey him alone. The word of the Lord. We know that didn't happen. We know that didn't happen. That the people of Israel continue to serve other gods. And archaeology even to this day shows us that before the captivity of Syria and Babylon in the old Israel, they served other gods. You find menorahs in archaeology, but you also find Baals in the house of the Israelites. It's like in, in my culture when, when a Roman Catholic of generations and the generations and generations converts to Protestant Christianity in, in, in Latin America, they will wear, they will go to Protestant church, but the sacred heart or the statue of the Virgin will always be there as part of their heritage. So the people of Israel were not able to really serve the Lord and Say, stick faithfully to God. That is why they went through so many hassles. And I wonder of us today, who are we serving? Who do we call? How and why do we call ourselves a family? We have begun a series called A Place to Call Home. Last week on Easter Sunday where we had over 115 people, this, the book said, some spies counted 125. And by the way, Charlie, you were counting as we were beginning the call to worship. There were seven people that came in since. <laughs> Last week at Easter, we talked about, not about the proofs of the resurrection, but I'd rather we, we discover what did the resurrection prove to you. We realized that the resurrection gave us key to real life, life as God intended it to be. We realized that the resurrection gave us a, a, a key to reconciliation, to live in peace with one another and with the entire of creation. We also realized that resurrection gave us a key for transformation, a chance to change, a chance to do things over, a chance to reboot, restart, clean that hard drive and begin again. But mostly we discovered that the key to the resurrection, the resurrection gave us access, entrance, and belonging to the household, the family of God. Families, huh? Well, you know families. Families are something else. And I don't mean that as an amazement or a wonderful thing. Families are complicated. They are risky to be part of. They are dramatic. Are they or are they not? They can be difficult. We get hurt in families. Families actually hurt us quite a bit. 
But families, people, the family of God that God is talking about is somewhat different. But our experience of family is somewhat limited. I remember having families, and in my family, uh, there, there was a story of one of my mother's sister uh, who was adopted, and she, was, she then became my mother's cousin because she was adopted within the family. And I knew that she was my mother's sister, but I was told, if you ever say something, we're going to skin you like a cat. <laughs> so I knew the truth. My cousins did not know that they were my cousins, and I shut my mouth for many years. Not long ago, that sister of my mother passed away. And in the, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't there. Because to be honest with you, I thought the story was old. And everybody knew that they were sisters. So I would have walked into that funeral home straight from the airport and, and assumed that everybody now knew the story, that my aunt, that my cousin, my mother's cousin, was not my mother's cousin, was actually her sister. Oh, that was gossip. Suddenly in the funeral home, my sister tells me, no one knew Edwin, only me, your sister, our mother, and the cousin, Dr. Orlandi. Orlandi, is that my name? He should be Gertz Orlandi, but he's Cardoza Orlandi. We know the story. Okay. And in that funeral home, everybody would say, oh my gosh, look at Carmen, my mother. Look at Carmen. She looks so much like the cousin. And my sister said, Edwin, I had to bite my tongue a thousand times because of course they look alike. They're sisters. But nobody could tell. I said, thank God I wasn't there because I spilled the cookies this side of the river. And anybody who's on this side of the river in my family knows because I've told them, but not on the other side, so I have to go with guards. Families can get complicated. And yet, you look in the Bible, in the Bible you find families that Cain kills Abel, you find rape, you find incest, you find lying, you find manipulations, you find wars between families. That's in the Bible. And, 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 and amazingly enough, when Jesus was preaching, he began his ministry, his folk, his king people, his homies, thought he was crazy. They really thought Jesus was crazy. Look it up in the gospel. At one time, they approached him, and they were coming to take him away and bring him back home so that he would go back to his senses. They thought he was cuckoo for puffs. And yet, of all things, God decides to call his church a family. I don't know. God decides to call his church a family. Actually, it is so much of the DNA of God's thinking of church that we even call God the Father. We call ourselves brothers and sisters. And God calls us his children. So the concept, the imagery of family is right there in the Bible in relationship to God and us. But we know that down here it is a mess. Hmm. So why? Why or, or, or how can the family of God be different than the families of earth? What makes the family of God works sometimes and not sometimes? What is the difference? And what can we learn about the family of God to bless our own families? 
One word, one mysterious word that we have abused, we have misused, and we have reduced. Ooh, I got to repeat that. There is one word that we have abused, we have reduced, and we have misunderstood. In the Greek is koinonia. It is commonly translated as, as fellowship, but no, it is not the moment that, yes, David and, 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 and Charlie bless us with coffee in the morning, but that's not fellowship. That's a coffee time. And we thank our brothers for preparing that. But that is not fellowship. Fellowship is not the time that we spend down the hallway here. That's not fellowship. That's part of fellowship. Koinonia means a real Genuine, intimate, constant, transparent relationship with the other. Let me repeat that. It's a real, genuine, intimate, constant, transparent relationship with God. So in the vertical situation, if we're going to talk about, well, what did I do? Okay. In the vertical relationship that we spoke of Sunday school, it is us with God. In the discipleship class, we, we, those of you, uh, how many of you were in that discipleship class uh, in the afternoons? It was you, Golda, yeah, uh, Grace, Wachuka, and Kate. Uh, we learned that for discipleship, what's the first thing? We have to do what? Work up, in, and out. Let's do it again. Up, in, and out. We have to develop our relationship with God. That's key. That's fundamental. And I'm talking about knowledge. I'm not talking about knowing about God. I'm talking about knowing God. It's developing a relationship, a vertical relationship with God that you know who God is. You know how God thinks. You know the kinds of love that God is talking about. You know the peace that God is talking about. You get to know God for who God is, not get to guess what God is for what the popular theology tells you. A horizontal relationship of koinonia is necessary. It is us with the Father, the Father with us. Nothing else. Us with God the Father and the Father with us. Through prayer, through meditation, through service, through reflection, through pain, through suffering. Oh, yes. Spiritual disciplines in groups and individual. It is developing, cultivating, nurturing your spirituality with God. That always brings transformation and change in your life. You see, when you understand and experience God's acceptance, fear disappears. When you discover God's kind of peace, anxiety dissipates. When you learn God's kind of patience, life becomes less rigid. When you discover God's financial principles, you will prosper. When you discover the kind of faith that God has planted in your life, you will be powerful. The things with a vertical relationship with God stick to us. They rub on us because it is Jesus being formed in our lives. But there's another kind of relationship that we talk about in our families. And it is the horizontal relationship. It is the you and I. It is the one another. And if we do this kind of relationship the way we do our families, we will fail. Because our families tend to be judgmental. Uh, is mine the only one? Now, I'm not hearing, I'm not feeling you guys, you know. Am I self-disclosing here all alone? <laughs> you see, families tend to be uh, 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 condemning. Uh, if you don't do what they say, they will give you the what? 
evil eye or the hand, depending on where you come from. Talk to the hand. They will give you the silent, or you can end up in the dog. You know that. Been there, haven't you? So, uh, family is, uh, and, and if we behave that way, in the family of God, in the kingdom of God, guess what happens? What do we do with people? We scare them away. We scare them away. We get rid of people that God, God is bringing people. And because we don't know how to deal with people in a loving, accepting, and Christ-like manner. We're spitting out people. That can happen. So what's the fix here? What's the fix here? I wonder if those two dimensions can come together. They do actually in the cross. Look at the cross in the back of the building. As we develop our relationship with God, then that relationship with God informs us. That relationship with God guides us. That relationship with us teaches us how to be with one another. As the Lord has forgiven you, so forgive one another. As God has loved you, love one another. That's the way it works. And that relationship continues. The horizontal relationship is necessary because God has chosen you and I to be God's family. If it wasn't so, God would not have gone to the heavens on ascension and God would not have sent his spirit to dwell with us. There is one text in scripture that describes this horizontal and vertical relationship. Listen to this very, I'm not going to put it up there. If you want to find it, it's in 1 John 1, 7. And it has to do with the light. Those of you who were in Sunday school this morning about the the light and, and the gospel of John, it says, but if we are in the light, as God is in the light, what is the light? Transparency. We see through light, right? Light illumines, light shows. So if we are in the light, like God is in the light, if we love like God, if we have patience like God, if we forgive like God, if we have the power, the, 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 oh, the patience, the kindness, the faithfulness, the hope of God, then we have koinonia, the word is there. Then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, Cleanses away all our sins. So what is the key to living in God's family? What are the most important things to living in God's family? It is developing the nurturing with God the Father. And as we learn, as we are changed, as we are transformed, then we love others in that same manner. We cannot receive unchurched people. Hello, what are they called? Unchurched. That means they don't know what this is. Meaning they don't know how we function. We talk about teen meetings. What is that? We have people in this congregation that have come and are new new disciples for over a year, and they did not know that there was a website that they could listen to the sermon. Now, it also shows their lack of interest in some things. It also shows how much the enemy can take away the blessings from people. And it shows how little we are in terms of reaching out to new people. Oh, we're friendly, but I wonder how welcoming we are. When unchurched, 
unstructured, unpresbyterian, come to our meetings and they say the weirdest things. And we judge, we condemn, and we don't want them around us. We need to work in our vertical relationship because it is that vertical relationship. Remember, God's the, how, uh, one of the things that I talk about, God's love is what? Liquid. It, it, it just spreads. So if we have that love of God and the other person is hardened, guess what? There's got to be a crack somewhere. And that liquid love of God is going to seep through and make a way. But it's going to be through you. It's going to be through I. That's what God has ordained. Jesus said, to put it bluntly in this way, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry a heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest in your souls. 